Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. This is Hobbs Q, um, and uh, we're going to be heading into the month of June. We have left Mental Health Awareness Month behind us, where we were a lot more explicit about uh, just mental health topics for three out of the four weeks. Ironically, our episode on stress will be coming later because Alex and I, it was about how to combat stress and not let it kind of dictate your life and positive amounts of stress versus not. And Alex and I ended up on the wrong side of that bell curve as we were going into the end of May. So we did not get the final episode recorded, which is kind of fitting. Um, But Mental Health Awareness Month is beyond us. We are now entering kind of the month of June, which is the fourth anniversary of the podcast. And it also is kind of um, just another opportunity for us to be looking at some important uh, elements to this community with it being kind of the LGBTQIA plus uh, awareness month or just month. I mean, I don't pride month, I guess. I don't know why I needed to feel the need to like spell out everything when I the word I was searching for was pride. But with that, we kind of have some topics that are in line with that for this month, along with uh, just our fourth anniversary, which is still kind of mind blowing. Before we get into that, we just have a couple of things we want to say. We want to say thank you to uh, Zencaster. So Zencaster is the recording software that we are using right now to record this podcast. And if you go to uh, their website and you use Goblin Lore Pod, you can get uh, 30% off of a pro subscription. We really enjoy using the service because it allows us to just send a link to our guest. The guest signs on. It records on their end, our end, so there's no issues. If internet drops, we don't lose a whole episode, which is something that has happened to us in the past. And it also auto-balances, and as we've said on this numerous times, Alex and I are not editors. We are not audio people at all. And one of the things that's allowed us to keep going is using a software like Zencaster. So we just are very happy to always be kind of sponsored by and partnered with them. Second, we want to thank uh, Grinding Coffee Company. So they are an LGBT and minority-ran coffee company. Um, They will be having some products and stuff that are available for the month of Pride that we'll kind of be linking to. But you can always use our code and our link there to get coffee, uh, a discounted coffee. And one of the things that we love is it really is a good marriage between us and them. They've been very willing to donate to our charity events, to just partner with us. And so we're very thankful for them. And finally, we just want to give a final uh, statement to the Fireside Alliance. And Alex, uh, I've been talking long enough that I will pass this over to you to talk about the Fireside Alliance. Sure. So uh, the Fireside Alliance um, is, is, just to take their description right from their website, an independent media network and a progressive community of progressive communities. Um, it's a, they've got a website and a Discord server, and basically the goal, and this was started um, a year ago now. In fact, we just started the second, they just started the second year. Um, we, we joined up with them about six months ago or so. But their goal was to they kind of a bunch of content creators, mostly podcasts, but some some other types of content as well. And they all have kind of their own split little communities in the Internet. And the Internet can be, well, not a great place in, in a lot of ways. And so they wanted to try to build a, a more a, another place for folks to uh, to meet together and to, you know, chat and to participate and to do stuff. And so that was kind of their that's the mission. That's the goal is, is to kind of bring, to create a space like that. So if you're, you're interested, just, you know, Fireside Alliance, um, we have, 
I believe we have a link in our show notes. I don't know. Maybe I should have figured that one out before I said We it. do. We do. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, we're also like I said, we're, we're part of that now as well. So out on their Discord server, if you'd like to join that, there's uh, all the different content creators have their own channels. And then there's some shared channels just to talk about games or various uh, uh, types of geekdom. We are actually the only magic content creators that are part of it, but it's uh, you know, geeks and nerddoms and all sorts of fandoms of, of various stripes. And it's, it's a light, it's a nice community and a nice place to be a part of. Yeah. And so this, uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to get introductions out of the way before we get into our topic for today, because we have a guest with us today. So I'm going to, in typical Hobbes fashion, realize that I wrote this question and then did not really come up with an answer. So I'm going to pass it over to Alex <laughs> first to ask. The, I'm going to ask the question of the day, Alex. What is a magic character from lore that you really identify with? And do you want to introduce yourself for anybody who may be new? Sure. Yeah, I'll go through my, my full introduction. So I'm Alex Newman, found um, on Twitter, sometimes not as much right now, but uh, uh, at Mel underscore Chronicler. Um, my pronouns are he, him. Um, and for the answer to this question, um, I was planning to spend more time today to come up with something else and i didn't so i'm gonna go with nissa as a as a uh, quicker something that i have a little more uh, at hand because i want to talk about um sort of her storyline with at the um dominaria sort of after um some of the gate watch stuff was going on and not going so well and so she had kind of a storyline where nissa left the gate watch i think there was a lot going on we actually talked about that probably three years ago Oh, man, it was three years ago, I think. Anyway, um, kind of along the topic of burnout. Um, so I, I definitely feel some some resonance there for me right now is on the, on the topic of burnout, just of a lot going on, too many things going on, and just the need to kind of step back, take some time to work through what you need to deal with, and then get back out to deal with all of the other nonsense that's going on. So Hobbs, did that give you enough time to come up with an answer? Heck no, it didn't. So I am <laughs> going to introduce our guest, Mab. Mab, welcome. We're really glad to have you on the show. We'll kind of be talking a little bit more about what the topic is and why you're here, but I didn't know if you would just want to do kind of an introduction and maybe if you have an answer for this, and if not, I feel bad for putting you on the spot too. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm Mab the Queen. Uh People can find me on Twitter or Twitch or my Discord, Maps Queendom. Um, I make the queerest and kindest EDH content on the internet. Please prove me wrong. Um, <laughs> I like that as a challenge. Like This is a good challenge for the month of June. Prove that Mab can't make the queerest and like friendliest and most welcoming content in CEDH or EDH. Just prove yeah, us wrong. Just, just do better than me. It, yeah. It'd be great. I would love it. I would love if everybody at least tried to be more queer and more kind. If not, then me, then at least of where their baseline is. Right. At the very least, it will move the needle. Even if they don't hit your level, at least they made the effort. Yeah. I want yeah. them to try. Yeah. Uh, and Well, I want them to do or do not. There is no try, <laughs> which is a very long running joke on this cast. Yes. So. Yes. Uh, but, but you asked me uh, what a character from in lore gathering yeah. lore I related to, and yeah. my answer would be Baron Sender. Uh, and the reason for that is that Baron Sender was a traumatized little kid that 
created his basically created his own world and his own safe little environment uh and happened to capture his tormentors and torture them hopefully i'm doing something a little more kind than that um and i'm doing it in a healthier way than baron sender but that whole thing kind of resonates with me pretty strongly of taking a rough upbringing and turning a space that was once had bad things around you into a space that you have control over and you're doing what's good for you awesome well i i have had time to think i am hobbs q i can be found on twitter at hobbs q uh, most places on the internet as hobbs q is that has been my screen name since 1998 um so if other people have it i i generally feel like they are trying to it's an imposter of some sort or maybe a reflection that's called foreshadowing kids um a character in magic lore that i identify with I think this is one of those ones that's it's hard for me because we've covered so many of the ones that I strongly identify with, I think, on the show. So I am going to just simply go back to my buddy Squee. Uh, I just think that there's something about Squee and being underestimated. Uh, I kind of did my a profile with Andy Zupke, and I talked a lot about this idea of failure and failing up. And, you know, I actually was thinking about this, Alex, uh, when I kind of did that interview, and I, I kind of was was telling Andy I really wanted it to highlight just the ideas that I've the amount of failure experiences I've had as somebody who's a, a quote unquote professional who has a PhD and got told that he never would do any of this stuff. It, it kind of is one of those things that I kind of think of we've talked about squeeze superpower being underestimated, but I also think he just fails up. Yeah. He fails but then ends up in a in a good spot or, or ends up where he needs to be. Um so yeah. So I went with that one um because I ran out of time, which also kind of feels squee-like. So I think that that's totally fine. But yeah, my pronouns are he, him. And uh, I really just want to kind of start us off. It's been a while since our last goblin profile. Uh, Alex and I, the last goblin profiles that we did were our decks. You talking about Zada and me talking about Grenzo and artist proofs. So it's been a while since we've talked about any goblins. And so... This was a topic that we always want to return to. There still are quite a few legendaries that we don't even necessarily have full, long lore or or really strong lore tie-ins. And we've talked about this. If you go look at any of like the Gamepedias or the fandoms, you'll see that some of our favorite goblins and, and the legendaries even themselves have very little backstory. And we're going to go with somebody today that actually has a little bit of backstory and and... It's Kiki Jiki. So, like, we'll just start there. It's Kiki Jiki. Kiki Jiki is a very, very interesting topic, I think, because um, Kiki Jiki really is, it has this mirror reflection to it. And he was brought back in kind of even like a saga when we came back to Kamigawa. Like, he's legendary at this point, like, in the sense of like, there's legends about him. We're going to be going, we're doing two episodes on Kiki Jiki because of this reflection piece. This idea that there's the mirror images that go on with Kiki. And Alex is going to give a little brief, just over lore overview. We're going to dig a little deeper into the story of Kiki Jiki with another guest coming later this month. But for now, we just want to do kind of a brief overview. So, Alex. Yeah, so I got this pulled up. I'm going to mostly read out of the wiki. Um, as Hobbs said, there isn't a ton of story out here. I think he said there's a little more elsewhere. But 
it's it's just an unfortunate thing. It's it's the case in this game. There's lots and lots of characters, lots and lots of legends. So there's a lot of goblins that just don't have a ton of story. But I'm glad we have some really. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Just I'm I'm really looking forward to this episode digging into other aspects of Kiki Jiki. But so for um, his story, this is he was born the fourth child of his family. Um, his siblings and parents, like most Aki families, were abusive. So this is on Kamigawa. The the goblins there are the Aki. Um, he his constant antics got him in trouble until one day, uh, fed up with his escapades, Paku Paku, the tribe elder, drove him out of the tribe. And so then Kiki Jiki looking for food. Oh, did you have? I just had to say too that this is one of those interesting things that we kind of think about with legendary goblins now mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm kind of noticing you know we're, we're almost we have more than one example of like the forced out of their tribe out of the exile and even though we talk yeah. a lot about goblins in community and that that like the, that's one of the elements that we love right you know it's goblins are only dangerous in numbers um you know we talk about the warrens we talk about the communal uh, the communal aspects two of our legends now the other being Slobad, who we've mm-hmm. talked about multiple times were kind of cast outs or, or like forced out of their like groups, which I just think is something that occurred to me as you were talking. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, obviously now on his own, Kiki Jiki is looking for food and he hears the murmur of an underground river after digging, um, the ground collapses beneath him and he passes out, uh, wakes up in a cave after being swept there by the river. He can't escape until he, ends up falling into Kaiga's lair. And Kaiga's one of the, the legendary dragons from, from the original Kamigawa block. Uh, and the dragon takes a liking to Kiki-Jiki, recognizing his magic potential, um, brings him to uh, Oboro to steal uh, an ancient pearl from a Soratame. During this quest, uh, Kiki-Jiki encounters one of the Soratame's enchanted mirrors, discovers that his reflection was moving independently, so he shatters the mirror and his reflection escapes the two kiki jiki split up the reflection was captured but kiki jiki escaped um, and then after training with kaiga he began to hone his magical talent and it says here as one of the greatest duplication sorcerers in kamigawa so that is all we have sort of in summary here on, on right like we have stuff with the cards like we, yep. we know that and there's kind of the, the legend we, yes, we get a saga say, and the current the updated there's version a, there's some actual written story as well that fleshes that you know is more fleshed out than this sort of bullet point thing but um that kind of that's what we have for the history like we said that this episode is not going to be about that as much we just wanted to kind of bring that story in because we're talking about him for you know for the first time in his profile, that story will be fleshed out more uh, later in another episode. So the reason that I wanted to talk about Kiki, uh, so I've had some conversations with really people kind of in the CEH community in particular. So Mab, whose username actually says Mab Kiki Queen. Mab, you are... Ha, <laughs> huh, what a choice for a name. Um I had seen over maybe the last six months to a year a lot more discussion about Kiki Jiki really within kind of the, the trans community, and particularly the trans femme community. You are one of the first people that I really saw talking kind of about the story and running with it. And when I reached out to you, we we kind of had a discussion about, you know, I was interested in knowing more of the origins behind it because I came in because I'm not really part of the CDH community. I was not really part of that discussion. 
I had seen somebody like Hermit Druid post about it, uh, kind of a lot of jokes about, you know, Kiki and eggs and stuff like that. And so I knew that there was this discussion, right? And I knew that as an outsider, it was kind of cropping up more and more, which to me, as I was watching, was like, wow, this is great to see as a goblin person, but I didn't know the history or know kind of where this maybe even grew out of. So I reached out to you because you were obviously at the forefront of this. And yeah, so I was hoping you might be able to just start us off a little bit, Mab, which is kind of some of why Kiki or, you know, what what is it about Kiki? Where did this come from? So there's a few reasons that Kiki Jiki is uh, central to the trans community, um, especially starting with uh, the trans femme CDH community. And a big thing was is that uh, a bunch of trans femmes were all playing decks that ran Kiki Jiki as a win con that uh, just all of us were like, yeah, of course, we can have all of these super strong, powerful things. But damn, do goblins feel good as a win con? <laughs> Now you're gonna and, get no yeah, like, there's gonna be no disagreement with from us whatsoever on this. <laughs> but uh so there was just a notice that like a bunch of us and like the majority, maybe even all of us at some point or another, were doing some sort of crazy goblin combo, and a lot of it centered around Kiki Jiki. Um so if people I mean, don't know, do you want to run through kind of what the a line is of the combo? If people are interested in that, just and so, why Kiki is so central. So Kiki Jiki is part of uh, a number of A-B combos. An A-B combo is card A plus card B equals win the game. Um, Kiki Jiki uh, plus... Uh, Pestermite or... Pestermite, Coercive Recruiter... Coercive Recruiter is my favorite because it's, it's mono red and mm -hmm. what it does is Kiki-Jiki taps to make a copy of Coercive Recruiter. Coercive Recruiter enters the battlefield and untaps uh, Kiki-Jiki and because there's already another Coercive Recruiter uh, because Kiki made a copy uh, with each copy you will steal uh at least one creature so eventually you steal the entire creature board on top of having infinite creatures so even if someone had an some way to create infinite creatures as well you can uh go over the top of them and steal all their stuff wow and i like the mono red piece because that you know because i'm thinking of zealous conscripts as the other direction i've seen zealous uh, conscripts is the classic and then and then for us or for me uh the conspicuous snoop lines so this has been the newer edition yeah and that's that's been the more recent more compact uh win con with kiki cheeky that you don't actually have to have kiki on the field for that you have to have kiki on top of your library it's funny as as a person who is not really a competitive player i'm not familiar with the cd cedh stuff very much and to be honest i haven't played a whole lot of magic in the last few years anyway i'm looking at course of recruiter i'm like oh that's an orc that's really sweet i'm glad to see orcs showing up in magic and actually doing things because for a long time <laughs> like early orcs 
in the very <laughs> beginning of Magic were just terrible, and then they stopped doing stopped printing orcs for a long time, and so that's where my head is at right now. <laughs> well, and Coercive Recruiter is not only an orc, it's a pirate. And it triggers off of pirates entering the battlefield. So even without making copies of Coercive Recruiter, you can make copies of something like Dockside Extortionist, which also triggers Coercive Recruiter to yep. untap Kiki Jiki nice. to make you not only inf- infinite creatures, but infinite mana. I, it's funny because you said this, as soon as you said the pirate part, I was like, yes, we're going to get a reference to Dockside. This is the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like this is what makes me excited we, we don't it's funny we don't actually it's perfectly appropriate i love we're doing it but like we don't talk about cards a lot on our show because it's mostly more community focused topics we talk lore stuff and so it's always fun when we actually dig into actual cards yeah and it's interesting that i mean all of this started based off of people actually playing the cards uh um, yeah i and, yeah. and like it it's kind of for what you're saying almost like an organic thing is what it sounds like it wasn't like oh some group of people were all hanging out and started deck building together like this was almost independent yeah no it, it all just happened to be that you know i think it was hermit druid uh that noticed hey a bunch of my trans femme friends uh are all playing this and then made a post being like uh Kiki Jiki is uh, trans culture and made a little <laughs> meme of Kiki Jiki delivering estrogen pills uh, yep. photoshopped yep. On, on top of a Kiki's delivery service uh, <laughs> movie poster. It's fantastic. Um, it's my favorite meme. It's one of the only ones that I have saved in my phone. <laughs> nice. um, but because of that, I was like, you know what the world needs the world needs every trans person to have their own kiki jiki and so i was like kiki's delivery service i'm going to uh i bought a bunch of envelopes and a bunch of stamps and i was like if anybody wants to donate kiki jikis to me i'm going to start donating uh kiki jikis uh that i'm going to alter to any trans person on Twitter that plays magic that asks me for a Kiki Jiki. Uh, and eventually I started getting some, there've been a few people that have donated them. Uh, and I bought a bunch myself and fairly recently I got an MPC order and I had a bunch of empty slots and I was just like, heck with it. I'm going to put the last 26 slots as Kiki Jikis. <laughs> so i have 26 uh proxy kiki jikis to put paint on and eventually uh mail out to people and i've seen some of your altars like they're i i really love the the artwork like, so are you using just uh, acrylics or are you i mean I, I, you're basically you're painting right directly yeah i i have okay. i have a jar of uh gesso and i have a bunch of acrylic paints and i just paint on top of them and uh you know just talk with friends and do some painting while i'm in the mood for it and like let people watch me paint while i'm in my discord just hang out with people and talk with my trans friends as we get ready to mail stuff out it was just last month i sent an order of eight of them out it was great 
So, I mean, it sounds like there has been an interest, right? Like you actually have had people contact and want to. So it's not like you started this and they're like, wow, zero of my other trans friends actually see this or like think this is a cool idea. Like there was a pretty good response to it. No, there are hundreds of people that have asked me for it. Wow. Like, I think uh, when I made the first post, it was, um, I eventually had to mute it because it was too overwhelming. I was like, I'm getting notifications every 45 seconds uh, for the entire day. I had uh, likes and retweets and uh, comments over and over and over again. And I was like, oh boy, I'm getting overwhelmed. I need to turn this off and just stick to DMs where I get people's addresses. And <laughs> yep. Just go through times and I'm just going to be like, at, at that point I was like, I'm going to do batches and I'm going to accept addresses from people once I have a batch up, first come, first serve, no repeats. <laughs> but I'm one person who's doing all this. <laughs> yeah. But the trans community deserves it. I, I mean, that's what I think is awesome is that, as you said, there was like, there was this overwhelming response to this. Um, I'm curious about that. Did it kind of surprise you? I mean, I know obviously the, the CDH community and the DH community at large is pretty tight knit. The, the trans community is, but were you expecting kind of this level of response to something that was basically started as kind of a just, huh, estrogen pills on a movie poster because all of my trans fem friends play. I did not expect for it to be as popular, but also it's, uh, it's a free cards for people <laughs> mm -hmm. and B it's something nice for the trans community, which honestly the trans community doesn't get enough nice things to, if we're, you know, being out there, mm. politics in the U S have been, beating the ever-loving crap out of us and so having something really nice to look forward to or nice to be surprised with has been just i don't know it keeps me going sometimes when i just have something nice to do for the community that's good both and i think both i think that community aspect to it is one of the things that you know this is why i reached out to you because to us the community is the important piece and you know as you said, like everybody this month, make queer content, make kind content. Um, I mean, th that's something that this month. <laughs> more this than month, just this month. Okay, it's a good month to start, but Fair. It's, a th it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge. It's like our mental health discussions, right, Alex? Mm -hmm. Like we usually we like this month we're going to highlight, but at the same time, right? Like, like this has been something that we've wanted to continue our discussions with. You know, we've done things. So I don't know, Mav, if you know, we've talked about like the Aetherborn. We've talked about. Um, Oh, what other discussions did we have with this? Uh, we ta we've talked about Alesha. Um, Nico. Oh, Weird. Nico. Yep. And queerness and just yep. that. So, I mean, like, these are things that we don't always feel that we have the best, I don't know, um, just way to introduce to our to our community, right? To get this out there because this is an important issue. And it's something that, as you mm -hmm. said, like having something that's nice about it is the community piece. Yeah, which as a... Thank you for coming on and, and having this conversation with us. I know we're still going. It's it's gonna still going to happen, but we can't really bring these conversations to our community without folks who are 
kind of part of these communities, a, willing to come have these conversations, willing to come onto our show and, and have them. So thank you for that. I mean, absolutely. If we're not building bridges, if we're not reaching out to people, uh, where are we? If the trans community is not going to do well without y'all knowing what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And, and it- hell, uh, the queer community in general comes from the not queer community. That's what we're born into. That's what we're born from. You know, and like I said, I, I'm not trying to be ham-fisted or anything about this, but that was the reason that it stuck out with me is we're looking at this as just kind of a what it's grown into and and kind of the the trans femme in particular communities associated with Kiki Cheeky. The fact that we are dealing with goblins that have been kicked out of their community is something that I think is important to me. Like, I know that that's not necessarily what drew you to Kiki, right? Like we talked about this, like the lore is not really the historical, or it's not really the tie-in that you have to magic in general. I mean, it's not like lore isn't like your, your main thing that you're interested in. It is gameplay. It is competitive gameplay. And just as Alex was reading that, it just struck me as kind of that idea that Kiki is yet another member of like a group that was kicked out for not basically fitting into the community. And this may be something that's going to come up a lot more when we have our second guest on, but it just, it just, I don't know. It just struck me. I just, I don't have other words for it. Well, and even the name Kiki is part of queer culture. And I know I mentioned this a little bit to you when we were talking about making this show, but uh, a Kiki is literally a term that came from the specifically the black part of the LGBTQ community. Um, but it's, uh, it's literally just a chat between uh, like-minded people and friends just to, you know, gossip and chit chat. And uh, I mean, wow. at, some, at some point the scissors sisters made a song based on it and it became widely popular. And I don't know how intentional the name Kiki was in this yeah. and how intentional the, you know, iconography of smashing a mirror was, uh, which is like huge if you're talking specifically about the trans community. Um, but a lot of these small choices came together and uh, like, fuck uh, sorry uh no pack, it's, it's, it, we we we, <laughs> we picked up on it and like i've sort of grabbed onto it and i've been like making my own art lately just we have it up as your pfp right now on twitter yeah my pfp right now is it's up on twitter uh i've been working with uh my friend drew beyond the machina to uh eventually have that into a um, proxy for Kiki Jiki that's like explicitly trans. Yeah. Um, but just uh, if it wasn't intentionally queer, it's definitely checking a lot of boxes and it's a lot of coincidence. And maybe at some point 
uh, I'll chat with somebody who developed Kiki Jiki in the game design and the art direction, and maybe I'll get a chance to ask them about it. Maybe mm-hmm. y'all will get a chance to ask about it. Yeah. I, I literally was just thinking, trying to figure out who do we have that we could reach out to. I mean, that's that's kind of as soon as you start talking about, it, especially that the, the the term already being something within the queer community. I now feel like we got to find out somehow. Yeah, I mean, and one way or another, like it would be incredible to find out. But one way or another, like this is one of the things that's really important and really incredible about art and creation is that. There's obviously going to be creator intent when they go through, and sometimes that can create really good, compelling things. But sometimes it's it's about what the community finds and what the people who are reacting to this art, the community that they build around kind of what they've found in this art, what they've gotten out of this stuff. And I, I, I just think this is incredible. I'm so glad you're here to talk about this. I think this is so cool. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if there's anybody out there that is as obsessed with Kiki Jiki as I have become. And the only reason I'm as obsessed with Kiki Jiki uh, is because of what it means to me as giving back to the community that I'm in. And I mean, it's not just the trans community, it's the magic community. Uh, Like, a kiki-jiki is not going to mean anything to a non-trans magic player. Or a trans non-magic player. Okay, okay. I was like, like, a non-trans magic player? Wait a second, Map. What are you saying? (laughs) uh, I'm uh, saying (laughs) that kiki-jiki means nothing to you. Get off of your podcast. (laughs) You don't like goblins as much as me. Basically, this is like when we have when we first had chase on the show and they basically took over our show and said it was now theirs. So, I mean, I guess that's, this isn't the first time this has happened to Alex and I, uh, I'm not going to take over your show. I do not have the people skills. Thanks. Anyways, though. <laughs> <laughs> but as you're saying, like, this is a very like unique thing within like a community within a community. Um, and I think of that to be with kind of like magic and I, and I don't know this to be true. I think of seeing the rise of trans femme and just trans communities within magic over the last, you know, 10 years that I have been a part of it. It does also seem like there's been more CEDH. And I don't know if that is just CDH representation when it comes to this. I don't know if that's an outsider See- trying to make patterns from the outside or yeah, sorry. No, CEDH is more popular than it has ever been, and uh, there is a sizable contingent of trans femmes in CEDH. Uh, the per- the first uh, openly trans uh, content creator that I ever saw of any magic uh, was uh, Rebel, who is this big-time CEDH player. So, like don't think that's a small part of it i think that uh some of them are there for the play style but i think a lot of them are there because that's where representation is yeah i I would think like that's what i was thinking of was thinking of creators and content creators in particular and that's a sphere that i've seen a lot more of kind of the trans community represented now we obviously have trans content creators across the sphere of magic 
it does seem concentrated to me as an outsider. I mean, there there are some up-and-coming, at least in my sphere of influence, uh, there are some up-and-coming big names in the casual trans-femme uh, EDH world. Yeah, but they all play Kiki. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, that was me being just flippant. Sorry. That, yeah. Uh, well, no, it's interesting because Kiki, while looking like a casual card, it's a 2-2 two, two for five mana that just makes a copy of a creature. It it sounds awfully casual. Uh, you know, dies to removal. <laughs> just about every removal, yeah. Uh, you know, you can shock it to death. It doesn't survive much uh the interesting thing is is that uh the competitive scene gives it a space to really thrive because whoa there is less removal in competitive spheres and kiki jiki uh comes out late enough where most people have used up most of their removal interesting i mean it's a win uh, con it's the yeah. actual right like, yeah which is just kind of how you topped the the topic with it that it's a win con it's a win con or 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 it's a value piece mm. um, okay let me just say that the funniest time i ever won with a kiki jiki was with kiki jiki intruder alarm in thassa's oracle because everybody's expecting a thassa's oracle win and cedh but they're not expecting it from having a devotion to blue equal five million because you just made five million uh thassa's <laughs> oracles uh, intruder alarm is such a fun magic card i i don't play your average cedh uh, yeah which is i mean my discord amongst cedh players is sort of known as the wild west of cedh because there's so much weird ideas going on because we want to push the boundaries on what's playable what's good what can we do in a meta where so many people think it's already solved and kiki thrives there except for when my friends are playing tox world don't even <laughs> <laughs> this just it makes me laugh because i think of the the fact so i recently got to play my first cedh games and the very first one that i ever played um went an hour and a half almost two hours yes and, it's not a yeah. fast meta <laughs> no um because everybody was playing highly interactive decks and right so everybody was trying to find an opportunity and to, to even be able to go for it without failing and then just setting up the next person in line. So it was just such a fascinating thing to come into. And let's be real. Most of the reputation that CEDH has is from bygone eras. It has its reputation from the meta before Flash was banned, or it has its uh, reputation from right about a year ago where it was the turbo Nas meta before uh people were like oh it's a turbo Nas meta now we have to play stacks and now we're on a mid-range meta where everybody's playing things that can be adaptable no one's playing super hard and fast and no one's playing super slow we're getting all of this flexible stuff it's looking I... a lot more like 
non-competitive EDH. What I like to hear about it too is I think that a lot of from from this is one of those things is me being somebody who's become more friends with a lot of people in the CDH community. And part of it was a, a purposeful decision because what I started seeing while engaging with that was the biases that I may have had as somebody who's been playing EDH since 2010 was of a pub stomper, right? You know, and I think that that's what happens is that, that there is still kind of this misperception that your people who play CDH just want to come to a table with a bunch of weaker decks and just play decks that'll win on turn two or turn three consistently play the best cards where everybody I've ever talked to CEDH people want to play against CEDH. Right? I want to play against stronger decks. I, I want to be the yeah. deck at the table. And I think that's something that I'm hoping there might be some barriers being broken about, or there's going to be better conversations to have. Uh, just th- that was one of the first things I found. It was like, okay, I, I, was somebody who was like, oh yeah, the, you know that must be what CEDH is, and it's like, no, no, CEDH is something very specific. It's not a pub stomper. Like those people are going to exist no matter what. Doesn't matter what the, you ban. Yeah, and those and those people are going to be out there playing decks that would hang in a CEDH pod, but they are not accepted by the community. Uh, and I think people are learning people, that. Yeah, I hope uh, people that are willing to learn that and have not been hurt by people who were uh coming in and pub stomping um you know people if your only exposure to people is a negative exposure it's hard to overcome that bias we see this problem across the board no matter what the uh no matter what it is, you have a lot of uh, people that are bigoted who use that as their excuse. They ran into one person, had a mm-hmm. really negative experience with them. Therefore, all people uh, of whatever that is uh, are bad people because that's their only exposure. So CEDH has that problem because people come in with decks that look very much like the decks you see on uh, CEDH content creation and oh no uh, I saw this deck come into my pod of sitting in chairs tribal uh, and they came in and ruined my time and sat there uh you know, playing with themselves for 20 minutes, won the game and left. Like, that's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> Especially if that person identified themselves as CEDH, right? Which there are people that do that. Yeah, I mean, you could... Hobbs, you could tell people that you're trans, go in and punch somebody and walk out, and people are going to assume that trans people are bad. Right. They have no other exposure. And but they don't. They don't have a. They, and, yeah. and they might not have a guidepost of you know what is or isn't this thing. And pe- just because someone claims to be something doesn't you know doesn't necessarily mean that they're not if they don't have the actual information to say whether or not that's true. Mm-hmm. And that's 
why conversations like this can be really important because communities are not monoliths. Not every person is one thing, but if that's the only experience you have, some people will make those judgments. So by having these conversations, by talking both, uh, you know, the, talking about folks like the, the, the LGBTQ community, but also the CDEDH community, which is again, something we don't get to talk about on this cast a lot, but I'm really glad we, we're having that conversation here to talk about that community and represent them from a potentially different way than people have seen them in the past. Because again, for myself at least, I've had no real exposure with CEDH. Hell, in the last couple of years, I haven't had much exposure with any EDH. Um, I, I, I just uh, yeah, I just want you to know, Mab, that this morning that Alex just pub stomped me. Yeah, we were playing one v one, and he and Alex just pulled out a duck that 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 I, he knew was just going to beat yeah, my I, my casual casual yeah, shatter game brothers. Hobbs doesn't have a casual. That that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I, uh, I yeah we played a game this morning, but like other than Okay, so I think I've actually played Magic a few times in the last month, but previous to that, I hadn't played Magic until pre the pandemic. So I have not had a lot of exposure to a lot of a lot of various communities within the greater Magic community. So this is um, it's a great conversation that I'm really glad that we're having. And some of these are communities that really flourished during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's also worth uh, reminding people that if you can't find a community that is healthy uh where you're at or with the people that you've been playing with if that becomes toxic uh you can always make your own community if you can find connections with a couple of people that want to do what you want to do Mm -hmm. That's, that is a big thing, and I'm sorry if I'm talking over you, but a big thing in gaming communities in general, whatever community you're in, if it's not fitting for you, you can try to find others or build your own, and sometimes it can even be good friends, like is a completely random example outside of Magic. I play Pathfinder, which is like Dungeons and Dragons, but I have a, a Pathfinder group I've been part of for three, going on four years now. And we, when we originally started, we had someone in our group who, great guy, I love hanging out with him. He wasn't a good fit for how we wanted to play. And so there was some difficult sessions for a little while. And then we had a conversation and he decided to step out of the group. Still see him, still great guy, great person to hang out with. But we just don't do that thing because his style and our style just didn't fit. And yeah, sometimes there are worse, but... I mean, that's why I made uh, my Discord was just to get games in with people uh, of any walk of life, anybody who wants to try to play the kind of games that I want to play. And I try to be very clear about how I want to play, and it's people first. Uh, what level of play, what uh, kind of games we get in, uh, none of that is is nearly as important to me as the kind of people that I'm playing with and the kind of interpersonal skills that we have when playing together. I, I was thinking of your your like you made you 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 set up your own discord, right? You were saying that that is a community that you've made your place where people could even just come and watch you paint and talk. Um, how long have you been kind of running with that and did it grow kind of out of some of your content creation 
or or was that kind of predating some of that? So gosh, I originally uh, I originally put my Discord together as like a place to um, just play uh, to just have a space for whatever I was doing that I didn't have to share with anybody else. I didn't have to fit into the confines that anybody else was doing. I had a bunch of, uh, I think I had four people in there, uh, before last June. Um, it may have been like, it was single digits, I think. And then I was like, whatever, I'm going to have my birthday coming up. Uh, I'm starting to be involved with the magic people uh, on Twitter, uh, making a name for myself little bit by little bit by appearing on shows. And I was like, I'm going to host a CEDH tournament for my birthday, and I'm going to have the stipulation that no blue, no blue cards are allowed in the entire tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, may, I really enjoy playing with the construct of how the game is played i i play a lot of stacks which allows me to do that within the confines of the game but when i'm hosting events or i'm doing my own content creation i can play with things i can say like okay everybody we're going on this stream and we're gonna have a pod with maybe one two three games and uh throughout this no one's allowed to mulligan or Whoa. you, you okay. start Whoa. with an opening zero or uh, <laughs> i want to play that one or the the fun one where we had three people on three people off and it would rotate and ahead of time everybody had to pick uh one out of nine of my emblems everybody who was off the pod and they were just spectating got to read off what the emblem they picked did and affected the game and the people who were in the pod playing had to deal with whatever those rule changes were yep um but you know messing with how people play the game has been a fun part for me and again that's sort of why i enjoy kiki jiki in competitive uh edh because it's an underutilized thing that lets me really play with how people think the game should be won how it should be played uh and what can be done and what can be competitive and honestly uh sometimes just making a second draineth magistrate in case someone's trying to block one of mine uh, <laughs> or destroy one of mine uh is just enough to uh get me where i need to go mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a five mana utility creature is still better to me than an ad nauseum and if you put that in this uh let everybody know that my DMs are open and you're welcome to try to explain to me why ad nauseum is better than Kiki Jiki. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) As somebody who plays ad nauseum, I still disagree. So it's fine. 
somebody that's you, been playing it in Legacy prior to playing Magic. I'd be playing to playing CDH. The reason I picked it up for CDH was I at least knew the lines. I I still need to learn the rest, and I think that that's been to me one of the fun elements. Is I, just like when I played Legacy, I need to know a deck way more ins and outs than I do with most of my EDH decks. I don't know half the stuff that's in my my regular EDH decks just because it's not important to me because I I will find interactions I don't like or know. Trying to sit down and do that in a CDH game is just not going to be something that's going to be enjoyable for me. I, I want to go in prepared. And so I adopted the deck that I knew was the closest. And then now my plan is to see what can I do with Kiki Jiki, honestly, just because that seems like a great direction for me to go. Hobbs, you need to pick up my uh, cast queer culture list. Okay, send it to me. I'll see if I can get it together even before Richmond this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's a Kiki combo deck that runs a bunch of Kiki combos. I actually, okay. on, on Moxfield, I am, if you search for packages, I run the Kiki combo package, which is just every card that combos with Kiki Jiki. That's amazing. I will check it out and see, like, I mean, that that is something that is enjoyable to me. You're talking about playing my Grixis colors with my favorite tribe. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, but please, please win more. And again, I told you, be more kind, be more queer. How do you get more queer than running a deck that's literally called queer culture? Come on, come on. <laughs> this is true. And yeah. I've never won a game of CDH. So this would be, you know, like, maybe that's the problem. You're going to catch people off guard by making 500 uh, Thassa's Oracles. Which sounds beautiful. And you'll I win know. before you have to go to combat. I'd also like to say this is a perfect transition into the actionable advice part of the show. If you Ooh. want to yes. make, if you want to take on this challenge and, you know, make more queer content, here you go. There's a good place to start. Wow. See, so Mab, we, we, we like to take people home with some sort of, you know, like actionable advice. Like basically what can the message be kind of if you're thinking of what what's the take home? And I, I really like what Alex just said. Um, I'm curious, do you have any other kind of things that you've thought of that you would like for our, our audience or, you know, for people that are that are looking at this communal aspect and the trans community and just within EDH and within CDH and within magic? Uh, anything you want to send people home with so look in a in a vacuum without having to interact with anybody else if you uh find um a list that's made by a queer person you're already doing more to and you're you want to play it or you want to comment on on it on it or you want to do something with it that's already doing a small thing for the queer community uh outside of a vacuum uh talk to somebody you know that's queer if you make content invite somebody on try not to have whatever the content you're creating be primarily uh cis hetero and white that would be such a big thing to do but also do it because you care about what they're making not just because they are a token minority and you'd like to up your numbers but do it because uh you find value in what they bring to the community and the our, community our, at large not just the communities that they live in as yeah. a separate piece of mm -hmm. um our, our big buzzword for 2022 so far in our episodes has been intentionality um that 
you're seeking things out with a purposeful reason, right? That there's a meaning to what you're doing. So uh, we had talked to um, um, Amanda. Uh, so we had talked to uh, her kind of a while back as a, in her role as a diversity um, as a diversity consultant. And, you know, the main message she gave us was like, you know, if you, if you want queer people on things, you have to invite queer people to the table, right? Like you, you can't just say, well, yeah, we don't know why we can't hire more queer people when you're not actually, you know, interviewing or even looking at anybody who's queer. So it's an intentionality. You have to seek these things out and not just let it be, you know, somebody else's job, uh, which I think is something that Alex and I have really, I don't know, strove to achieve striven are any of these words but um intentionality that's a word that one is legit but also show the work show that you're a place that is going to be safe for these people to come on i mean the only reason we're having this conversation now is because hobbs you and i have had a, a number of conversations and everything that i've seen from you has shown that you're a person that i can feel safe talking to and i can be open about this stuff about if there's any indication uh, that you might not be uh, or even that you're not actively uh, supportive, if, if you're just passively okay, um, people who are members of groups that um, may not feel safe around certain other people uh aren't going to take the risk mm -hmm. and y'all make it uh safe to be here on a open emotional level so you've done the work you have me on here and you have me on here because it's a safe place end of story <laughs> Sorry, like my mic's literally muted as I just sent out a tweet about you making me cry. Um, but that's fine. You're not. Uh, we just we just appreciate that you're willing, to, you know, like I said, we, we t you and I were talking the other day about certain things um, and not wanting all the work to be placed on the people that we're asking. Mm -hmm. This is the hard part, right? Like we don't want to put the work on the people who have the best experiences because they, they don't, they shouldn't have to do all the work. And I just thank you so much for being willing to come on and talk about this because this is a topic that as soon as I saw it, it was just something that like felt so in line with us and our, our just our ideas behind the goblins and the goblin community, which is the legendary goblins when they have done them well, they seem to resonate. And I think that there is something to be said about that um, from all the profiles we've done so far. I think they, they have been well-received because the legends in particular have tended to resonate with different groups. Um, yeah. Would you say that's true, Alex, based on like... Yeah. Well, and, and you say, like like you said, said previously, there's a, there's a strong sense of community in, in most of the goblins or even, I suppose, even in the... In, all, maybe all of them because like Kiki Jiki was, you know, kicked out of his community, but he found, a, you know, 
had found family in Kaiga and in in others possibly slow bad story super bad slow bad we can say for sure is is one we've talked about and dug into more is has a similar thing where he was kicked out of his community and then found friends found a community built a family himself around himself and and so that's an important community topic too it's a different type of community but it is just as if not more important to talk about as well in addition to some of the other things like i know um as as i've mentioned this in the past some too but it's funny four years into this I'll, I'll i'll let everyone in on a secret that like i said i've already talked about a little bit but when we started goblin lore like i wasn't huge on goblins i didn't mind them but that wasn't like i wasn't all about goblins but as we've kind of done that as the identity of the show and especially because we started out in such a weird sort of fashion which is like goblin lore fit as the name for our show but I've found that a lot of resonance for myself, at least with with community topics in some of the goblin stories. Talk about my Zada deck. There is a lot of community in, in her storyline. And, and the deck I built originally was part of a community deck project we were doing in, in Minneapolis here. We started a, a deck building challenge where every card in your deck had to be less than a dollar. And that was started by uh, Alexito, who's a part of the magic community in Minneapolis. And he was doing it just as a personal challenge. And that a bunch of magic people he plays with here in Minneapolis all did the same thing. We all built these one DH decks. So that was a thing we did for a couple of years where we would build these decks at that, with that deck building constraint. We did a couple events where we would do secret Santas where everybody would bring a one DH deck. We'd throw them in a pile and then you just, everybody grab one at random and, now you have a brand new deck to bring home. And like, it was just a big part of the community. And, and the more goblins we're profiling, the more I'm seeing that that is a reoccurring topic, Dif- different communities, d- different types of communities for some of these different characters, but every one of them so far we've talked about, that's been a strong element in their story. And that's our show for today. You can find the hosts on Twitter. Hotsku can be found at Hotsku. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmith, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vinderdotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vinderdotten or online at Vinderdotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Tipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>